Let me start a little bit on sort of your background. You are working the audit office for the county, right? Currently, I was in audit for the first six years with the county. For the last year, I have been in the office of management and budget. Shed some shed some light on what led you to pursue this role as supervisor. What wanted you to get to get involved and not run not from for a town board position, but to actually be supervisor? Definitely. I really wasn't expecting it in the beginning. Um, I knew I wanted to run again only because I, I felt like I had a lot to contribute to the town board. But there was talks about maybe the Democrat committee not running somebody or somebody, some people were interested, but not, don't know if they had the work commitments. And as the vast majority of the supervisor races in our county went uncontested, which is I find that to be t horrible. I think every election should have somebody run or two people, at least two people run. So just the idea of incumbents running unopposed in off-year elections where most people don't come out just seems like it, it's not a, 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 it's not a thriving functional democracy. So I, I, I felt even though being out in the spotlight isn't for me. When it comes to actually doing the work of government administration, that's what I live for. Basically, my, my passion has always been in public service and volunteering in usually in governmental organizations and various means. So I'm, I've always been a big proponent of what government has a potential to do. However, uh, like most, like many uh, people from the public, I, I've always felt that our tax dollars are not necessarily spent in, in the best ways, or if there are, there is some degree of waste or fraud or some kind of abuse, or it's just not the most efficient use of funds, which kind of led me down the path of being a governmental auditor. Uh, that's really my passion to just go into an organization as what's known as a in our field, a bureau pathologist to be able to look at large bureaucratic organizations that can have multiple layers. And it's very difficult to follow the money and follow the programs and see where the spending is going. Um, I just love going into large organizations and dissecting them and getting to know more about them. I've always been very analytical growing up, pretty much from being as a child. I like to take things apart, figure out how they work and have a better understanding of how to utilize them. And that's essentially what I've done as a auditor for well over a decade now. Specifically in the governmental sphere, uh, I'm a public policy analyst, formerly trained analyst, and I would look at actual governmental programs to determine if they are reasonable, if they will have the intended effect, so those two areas I focus on is efficiency and effectiveness. Efficiency is being able to accomplish the mission with the, the least amount of financial resources, the least amount of administrative resources to get the most bang for your buck, so to speak. And effectiveness, which is the most important piece, is to ensure that the program that was designed to alleviate some kind of social issue does actually have its intended effect. And, and another piece of it is as an auditor is to determine that it's not also not having a negative effect somewhere else. It, I, I, I came from the state doing uh, as a state auditor in the inspector general's office overseeing the MTA, 
which was tremendous. It was, it was a lot of um, really good work. However, it, it, it wasn't all that fulfilling in the sense of getting to my inner curiosity. When I attended John Jay College of Criminal Justice in their Inspector General program, specifically a Master's of Public Administration, which is like a formal program for future city managers, but also for auditors and efficiency experts. And in that, and I really enjoyed that program because we looked at entire governmental systems, essentially looking at a model city and looking at you know, water, sewer, public safety, fire, finances, bonding, roads, all the things that a typical governmental entity does. So when I went to the MTA doing audits over there, it was really transportation specific. It was very buses, trains, subways, and things like that, which was incredibly interesting. And, and it also had a law enforcement arm that we'd oversee as well. We do would basically be the internal affairs for that, uh, which is interesting, but it didn't give me the, the bigger picture. So that when I had an opportunity to come to the county, I loved it because I had waste, it had public safety, it had social welfare services, be, the, be it the Department of Family Services or public health. So you get a, a much better big picture understanding of what government does in our society. But it doesn't show you the whole picture. Really, the lowest level of government, which is our towns and I guess our, also our villages, is what has the most impact on our day-to-day -day lives. And so I, I have a very good understanding of state and, and county operations and how they relate to each other. But as a citizen, as a resident of Fallsburg, I could only try to get whatever information I can from the town board meetings and from the budget that's online, which is, could only show you so much. So there was a, a real desire for me to run for office, if only to gain access uh, to data so that I can, and talking about one of the things, or some of the things I'm looking to do in the short term is so you just gave an auditor the, the keys to the kingdom. So I, I plan on um, conducting a lot of different management audits to look at the cost effectiveness of our services and to determine um, where we are lacking, where we have gaps that we can fill. And that's, that, that's going to require a process um, that first starts with me learning what day-to-day -day operations look like, reviewing all written policies and procedures. And for me, as an internal controls auditor, reviewing in their procedures, internal controls, which is fundamental. Aside, during my campaign, I spoke about looking to close the, the bribery loophole, which is the section in the town law that allows town officials and employees to accept gifts, gratuities of up to $75 in cash services. And it doesn't define a time frame like the county law does. At least the county law says $75 a year, which I think is also not great. I'm planning on changing that to the state standard, which is gifts of nominal value, which is really just like a promotional keychain or something that really cannot influence in any way. So in that process, I also want to look at our internal controls because that the whole idea of imposing good internal controls in everyday processes, segregation of duties and various things to, is to 
have a reasonable assurance that if there was no oversight and nobody was looking and everyone was doing, was following the procedures as they were written, that they would have enough um, controls there to be able to detect or deter any kind of errors or omissions. And not to mention fraud, waste, you know, all, all these other things. Right. So I, I'm, I want to look at the internal uh, processes. Uh, I want to review uh, employee productivity. I want to, you know, so this is what I, I look to do in the short term, just to get a full understanding of town operations um, so I can seek to enhance them and, and bring them and modernize when possible. Now, this is not your first attempt to being running for the supervisor in Fallsburg. What do you think was different this time around? What do you think set this campaign apart from your previous one? Last time I ran for council, and this time I'm running for, I ran for supervisor. Okay. Right. I thought it was the other I, one. I'm sorry about that. Oh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, this time, I, I definitely have a greater appreciation for the field of political science. Last time around, I just, I was in, enamored. Uh, with the process of trying to create a grassroots campaign and on trying, I, I wouldn't want to take any donations because I don't want to feel influence and I don't want to, you know, I, I didn't really have a good volunteer base to go out and make phone calls, I, but I was going through the motions that I learned as a child, looking at our democratic process and just in, enjoying that process. But Political science is an actual science. Uh, it's part the uh, marketing, it's part statistics, it's part psychology. I got to learn to review a lot of data, historical voting data, and try to approach it things a little bit different. I definitely wanted to, I definitely tried to reach out to more stakeholders this time around to try to get a coalition of supporters out there. Try to reach out to those who, again, stakeholders are usually fire commissioners, fire departments, community-based organizations like Fallsburg Futures that are usually concerned. Berg's future um, has been, always been very concerned with the things that goes on in the community. So it was, I, I tried to spend a lot more time reaching out um, to, to folks. Um, I definitely spent a lot more time on the phones. Um, and I definitely spent a whole lot more time knocking on doors this time around. The results were unexpected, I, I have to say, but um, very reassuring. One thing I have to say is that I was disappointed in the turnout. The turnout was a lot lower this time around than it was two years ago. I was really trying to bang on doors to try to get people out to vote this time around. And the turnout was significantly less than two years ago. So I that's something that we're going to have to um, address to try to get out the vote next time around, because it's really is a shame. We have over 75 or 7,700 registered voters in Fallsburg, but last election we had 2,700 show up and this election we had less than 2,000. Um, so that's, that's always disappointing, um, because the more people come out, the results are, um, definitely more or uh, reflective of the will of the people. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it is uh, concerning that less people are coming voting on. You mentioned also the supervisors running unopposed. I think there was only three races, Fallsburg, Highland, and I think Wurtsboro was the only ones really had uh, any kind of sort of competition there. So 
You mentioned some of the concerns that you hear from residents. You've been going out more, knocking on doors. There's a current proposal right now from the town board to make consider zone no zone changes in Lost Sheldrake to curb growth of high density residential development that's going on in Fallsburg. It's in the last meeting I attended in the town of Fallsburg. They mentioned in, during the presentation that there are eleven developments happening in one particular area. And in, in Fallsburg, and Fallsburg is seeing a huge boom of residential, high density residential development. So they're thinking about maybe implementing another moratorium. There was another moratorium, I think, a couple of years ago, I think in 2017, I think. I'm not sure if it was that time or I'm thinking to address the, the strain that the high density of developments have been on this water sewer infrastructure. Obviously, the town is in, in already in process of replacing some of the sewer plants, replacing some of the water towers. Uh, replacing this aging infrastructure that the town has. How do you, do you plan to continue these, some initiatives like set in the moratorium or even proposing the rezoning changes? Or do you think all that has to be re-evaluated? Re I've never been a fan of one-off changes. I, I do understand what they're looking to do in Lockshell Drake. I think the motive is sound. However, you for all of the affected parcels, I think they're Probably, whether it's required or not, there should have been a greater effort to reach out to the landowners that are affected and try to at least get some of them on board or at least try to get them to understand the reasoning. Having businesses there will use less water and sewer than having residential there. And plus, it's on a state road and it's near the entrance of the town. It, I, I could definitely see the, all the pros to it. I think it was just the execution with regards to reaching out to the affected landowners. That would be, that's probably what I would change there. And obviously, if they were dead set against it, then, but as far as making those changes piecemeal like that, I've never really been a fan of that. I think that requires a community effort, specifically through something like a comprehensive planning committee. That's, they meet every 10 years. They set the zoning to make those little changes afterwards, I think is like in bad taste. And as far as the moratorium, I think the moratorium that was discussed had to do with the sewer, right? right? Basically, we've hit our limit. No one can hook up into it. If you build, you can't really occupy it because there's, it has lowered to go. So that that's what's meant there. And really can't have any opinion on that just yet because I... The, the town engineer did reach out to me to try to give me a briefing on everything, the status of everything that's going on. And uh, I'm, and we're going to find a time before coming into office to hopefully get briefed on that. Um, but the bottom line is water sewer is always the government's responsibility. And we dropped the ball by not planning for this ahead of time. But at the same time, we cannot hook people up into an overburdened system that would result in dumping raw sewage into the Neversink. That would be catastrophic. So I don't know where we are. I don't know what the methodology used to come up with the numbers. It looks like, so I can't really discuss the more going forward with the moratorium until I, I know more about the situation at hand. Bill department in this past couple of months has seen a large, you know, sort of turnover. A lot of people have left the building department and we're in a lot of the meetings, we're talking about the explosive growth that's happening. And like I said, this one, particular area in Los Chodrick, 11 developments are in the pipeline already. And people have brought it up in meetings. And I also think also when I attend these meetings is how is the building department doing with this, I'm assuming a huge workload uh, with less people 
to handle that workload. And obviously, you're not in office yet. And I'm sure when you go there, you have to evaluate, find out what's going on. But is that a concern for you? It, has that been brought up to you at, at any point during the campaign or? Yes. And yes, it is. It is a concern that uh, has been brought up to me. And, and that's right. There has been a lot of turnover and, and it is very problematic because we know that all of the work that's being done on behalf of the planning board for the projects that's being done there is a full-time job all, all in itself. And then we have one code enforcement officer we have that's pretty much acting as the department head and then a, a handful of new people um, that are still in the process of being trained while doing their work, uh, which is also detrimental because you lose something in the process by not having a formal training program. So that is very much concern right now. So right at this point, I obviously have to lock down appointments, town attorney and department heads. I, I don't really see any cha major changes there, um, but I need to understand what their challenges are, especially when it comes to staffing. And the building department has had a lot of turnover for various reasons. So that's very important to me because it, it's the government's, it's our responsibility to make sure services are running smoothly. We cannot either artificially or organically create um, any stumbling blocks uh, to the public when trying to, if a person is trying to put a carport in their driveway, it shouldn't take months and months for someone from the building department to get back to them um, just to approve a, a basic permit. Um, this is a problem all around. And um, I'm, and this is very important to me to, to look at the current departments, to look at the staffing, to look at their workloads. Uh, that's going to take a little bit of time, but I'm actually really looking forward to that, to have an opportunity to sit down with people to determine what they're doing, how they're doing, whether or not there's a, an extreme burden, whether the burden is causing a higher incidence of errors in their work, which could open us up to liability. So we want to look at all these things. And it, yeah. So the short answer is yes, it's concerning. Yes, it is something that's been brought up to me. And yes, it is something that I am looking to address almost immediately once I get into office. You mentioned a little bit in the beginning, now that you're in office, now you get the chance to see sort of the data and what's actually what's happening. And transparency seems to be a concern for a lot of uh, voters I've seen or the lack of transparency in local government. So I just want to know what's so what your, your views on that going forward as now the town supervisor about the concern that some voters have about the potential lack of transparency on local levels. Sure. sure. Where do you start? Okay. Looking at town meetings alone. Okay. I would like to see the town meetings posted to the website so that anyone can pull up an archive of any previous meeting in the past. We already have the Zoom videos. I think it's just a matter of just posting them. Aside from the agendas, I would also like to have the resolutions that accompany the agendas because agendas alone can be vague as to what is actually being passed. There are work sessions. I would like to definitely see more discussion about the things that will eventually be voted on because it's hard to come in and vote in, in a block. And it's hard to believe that, that all the people in the room have just heard about it for the first time and they're all voting on it already. We have very strict open meetings law that requires us to, that, that prevents us from having discussions with other members, with more than one member. One, if three members get together and they start talking any business, you know, that becomes uh, an issue. So, you know, the idea is to make sure that 
we're, that we're not getting together and discussing these issues and uh, coming up with an opinion on it before having to vote on it. It, it would be ideal if we can um, come to those conclusions or come to those um, determinations in front of everyone else. And if that means the meetings run a little late, then that's what we're there for. So again, that, that's just focusing on the meetings itself. It, obviously, if there's more that could be done transparency-wise when it comes to town operations, I'm always open for that as well. Mike, before we go um, here, anything else I have not mentioned you want folks to know about you, about your future administration as going forward as a town supervisor for the town of Fallsburg? I just want to say I am uh, really thankful to everyone that did come out and vote. Um, It's really important um, considering that local town government really has the most impact on our lives compared to county, state, and federal government. Uh, And I just want to say that I'm going to try to be reachable to everyone. And I'm really excited to get some positive change and get some good work done. We're talking to Mike Ben-Simon, Volsberg Town Supervisor-Elect, who's going to be the new Town Supervisor starting in 2024, letting us know who he is and what is his vision for the future of the town of Volsberg. So thank you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And, and good luck in your new administration. Thank you for having me. Thank you.